podcast you didn't know you needed welcome to the party pals part of the osiris media group head over to osirispod.com check out the vast array of music and arts and culture and movie podcasts they have to offer that is osirispod.com today we are here to talk about ozark the american crime drama television series created by bill dubuque and mark williams for netflix it's uh the series that stars Jason Bateman and Laura Lenny as Marty and Wendy Bird, a married couple who relocate their family to the Lake of the Ozarks for money laundering. Bateman also serves as a director and executive producer for the series. In June 2020, the series was renewed for a fourth and final season, which consists of 14 episodes split into two parts. The first part was released just this uh past January 21st and that seven episode arc is what we are here to talk about today to help me talk about that we have a new voice on here we're gonna be bringing in a whole bunch of new people from time to time getting new voices new outlooks new perspectives on film and television but today we have Lindsay Paul Hanners with us LP Hanners he is an artist based out of the triangle in North Carolina he went to film school alongside the batch of filmmakers that established Rough House Pictures. That includes David Gordon Green, the great Danny McBride, and Jody Hill. He's written about film and television in a, a variety of places. I'm thrilled to have him, so let's just let's just get into it. All right, LP, welcome to the party, pal. Thanks for coming on the show. Glad to have you on. Yeah, it's good to be on, man. Thanks for having me. Of course. it's. Um, I feel like it's a long time coming. Uh, you know, we've worked together talking about film and television before. I absolutely love the Breaking Bad article we did together, the top 20 uh, uh, episodes of Breaking Bad. I still think we nailed it. And then working as your editor for the Mad Men articles was just really, really great. So so let's get in to Ozark. I know this is a show you're passionate about, and I'd love to hear why. I mean, kind of just generally speaking, we're going to dig into four, and we'll go through the episodes. There's only seven of them, but... What is it? Um, what is it you find so special about this show in general? I'd love to hear you speak on that. So, well, it's interesting because, it was, um, as you said in the last podcast, um, you you said that you had to um, suspend disbelief mm-hmm. a bit of uh, how, but then as you went along, you got a little more comfortable with it. For some reason, I, I was completely suspended, or just mm. right off the bat, it just it made sense to me. And uh, what Chris was saying about, um, you have to excuse me if I bring him, uh, him up a lot. He, I, I feel like a lot of the points he made were really, really great. And uh, Oh, great. That's Chris Thompson, one of, uh, one of our other hosts. We did, he's referring to the Ozark um, season three breakdown, Chris and I did. The, the first thing he brought up was about how um, he likes the show because it's, it's, I think he said it's like one of the last great anti-hero. He used that, that word, anti-hero. Um, mm. And like I, I feel it's up there with ones that that are gone, you know, like Breaking Bad, obviously, Sopranos, 
um, Sons of Anarchy. Like, I, I feel like this is one of the great ones, like I said, because the realism for me is potent. Yeah, yeah. Let's start with episode one. Uh, it's called The Beginning of the End uh, for appropriate reasons, but it started with a cold open that was really intense, and it's it's it was a little bit confusing to some people, and, um, you know, it, it's... It's because it was it, it wasn't a look in the past. It was actually a look forward. Um, I know that got you a little bit. What was it that you know struck you about what was happening? How would you place what what that even meant to the the whole series moving forward? Um, well, I think someone dies in that wreck. I think uh, I, I think mm. uh, and I think it's I think it's Charlotte. The the whole show is about them just struggling to maintain maintain control here and maintain control here and and there and and um and so to see that wreck happen you know, so suddenly that means something you know because that's just like that's just something you can't foresee it's it's nobody's they can't go and like <laughs> murder somebody over that yeah. that's that's yeah. just something that just happens you know yeah i mean you got some you got some hints to what was going down and and, and the placement of it i mean they 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 mentioned right away that there was one they they felt they were one fbi me- meeting away from getting out and that's what they were they were placing it as and i thought that actually kind of sets the tone for the season a lot i mean so much of what happens moving forward is about getting out and almost getting out. And I mean, the truth of the matter is that's not really how these games work. And, you know, I know they're just putting out fires as they go through and kind of playing a, a game of, you know, a drug whack-a-mole of, of just trying to maintain in this game. But I mean, that's not, it's, it's just, it's, it's kind of a fool's errand that they keep thinking and, you know, the move back to Chicago was, was a big pipe dream. But you did mention Charlotte, and I thought that was something that was really striking me in the beginning, in the beginning of the end, is you do see her stepping up some. And you see see her, I mean, kind of taking to the family business a little bit. And conversely, um, things are happening with Jonah. So, you know, the whole idea of the family, um, you know, being in it together is is kind of... You know, we're getting a dichotomy there. You get one person who's, who's who who kind of wants in. You know, I mean, later on, she she drops out. She's not uh, pursuing college anymore because she wants in the game. And then, you know, we got uh, we got the brother who definitely is kind of sickened by everything with with the family. So, what did, what did you think of? Um, you know, big thing about it was Jonah kind of bailing on the family. What did you think about that arc? Um, and just what it meant for the for the season. I had some expectations of what Jonah was going to do, you know, because the season three ends with just him shooting at that window, mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. you're just like, oh shit, you know, like you kind of feel like he's going to be the 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 literal Chekhov's gun, you know, right? And or he could be the last man standing at the end, you know. There's just seems, you know, it's like he's like he saw Goodman kind of, um, but but yeah, I was not expecting him to just kind of go where he did this well actually i was but i was expecting it to be more volatile you know yeah like if it, if it like if it was something that happened on breaking bad like it would just you know there would there would just be explosions you know between yeah. between people and he just kind of goes right into it and really all you get is just laura lenny uh, or the windy bird being just jonah you know <laughs> and, he just, and he goes on his way you know um 
Back to the cold opening, though. Uh, you like, uh, uh-huh. I don't think everything is as is. What, what, when you're, I was kind of analyzing the dialogue between Wendy and Marty, and I feel like Marty is, um, I, I feel like he's giving these, these status updates to her about the FBI when they're talking. And I kind of, I was analyzing, and I kind of feel like mm-hmm. maybe he's fibbing a bit. Maybe, maybe there's some bullshit in what he's telling her. Maybe there's yeah. some bullshit in what she's telling him because that would that would be in character for them to still basically just be like lying here and there, little white lies just to get yeah. past each other's egos to get other things moving. I feel like that's that's still going on when we see that scene. Yeah, where's the placement in in your mind? Where's the placement of that scene? I'm like right at the right at the end of ep- episode seven thirteen, maybe somewhere right there, right? Yeah. Yeah, that makes sense to me. It was I actually had to think about that a lot. As we were going through, it was fun to kind of, you know, pick where that moment would come and how it would return. I mean, it it really it really did uh uh it it was an incredible way to kick off the season. I mean, hats off, hats off to that. And, and generally speaking, hats off to the cold opens throughout the season. And we I I I'm sure we'll come back to that cold up uh open again and what it means, but um and probably more things about Episode one, but I mean, episode two, let the great world spin. It opens up with, um, uh, uh, is that the one where Ruth is shopping for the, um, I believe she is. Yeah, she buys the goat cookie holder. I just thought that was a really, really great way for them. Uh, it turns out where it's where she put Ben's ashes, but I thought that was a good way that what happened to Ben and, and, and you know, his murder, it's just, it was obviously omnipresent throughout the entire uh, you know, rest of the uh, um, season. But I love that they made it happen in a physical form. It was actually there in a, in a physical way. And I thought it was haunting. And it was just, it was, it was a literal representation of, you know, what his loss meant to her um, and just what it meant to everybody involved. I mean, that's, I mean, that's, that was a step too far for Jonah. That was, that was, I mean, that's more, um, pain that Ruth had to go through it's just it meant everything that she they couldn't find a way out of that and that she let that happen and it just it just that was such a cool cool idea they brought to the table there yeah that I thought that was really cool how they um it, it was a it was a moment of maintaining gravity for her throughout the rest of the the episodes you know they'd show a close-up of yeah, the great goat, point you know um, but yeah, that whole code opening really, I, that also sets the tone of what I think is going to carry on throughout the last half of the season. I think, um, I, I have an idea just from, from what I heard about like what killer Mike said, um, he, he was talking about his cameo and he said that he meets, he said he can't say anything about it, but he meets, uh, Ruth when she's at her lowest point, Right. So I feel like there there's more to go for her, and I feel like there's something else that happens in in, in episode two, um, where she tries a heroin for the first time, mm-hmm. and I was thinking, mm, I bet she goes back to that, especially what happens yeah. at the end of uh, what we'll talk about later. But yeah, um, what I was saying about seven o two, it really sets it up. Because it's a lot of the season is going to revolve obviously around her um, sorrow that she's feeling for Ben, and it's it's really yeah. deep. And if you go back and watch the season again, you could just see how much deeper it is. And I think it just mm-hmm. it uh, Julia Garner is just a fantastic actress that can give you more than what you even think you're seeing with her because she's stunning. Just, 
I was I was watching a video the other day of her, and she was uh, I think she was on Fallon maybe, um, mm. and she was showing her physical process of of what she was going to what she what she did, how she gets into accents like she's getting ready to uh, be in Inventing Anna on Netflix in, in like a week or two, yeah, and she was showing physically how she got from point A to point B and how she like creates her accents, and it is just like. So fascinating. <laughs> There's so much art in what she does. I have I have so much respect for her. Um, she's she's easily. She, I mean, she's she's one of the main reasons I I'm, I I lo- I like the show so much. I mean, it's 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 her performance is everything. It's the way she culminated the season. It was all her that brought it home. It's her um pain that she goes through. It's so evident in everything that you see on screen for her. But there's something I like. There was um. I forget the exact moment. It was at it was towards the end of episode one, where uh, her pain is so intense that even when she gets like a hint of a smile, if something like if she gets something that like makes her gives her a little bit of joy, even a hint of a smile from her lights up the screen. It's really wild because she is she's so incredibly tortured in what she's going on. I gotta I gotta tell you, um, you know, the the plot line has moved forward in episode two with her in uh, getting into the heroin game pretty real. And the idea of the um, hipster heroin, I thought was absolutely hysterical. I think someone described it as um, uh, uh, from needle to shot. I just thought that was absolutely it, really, really uh, clever and, and funny. And, I, you know, we need a little little bit of funny in this in this dark show. But Well, that moment you were talking about uh, with the hipster heroin, I, do you remember how they were showing Darlene in that moment? And I just I had this feeling. I was like, "Oh, she, Darlene's gonna." It's like so, I was like, "Either Darlene's gonna do something bad. I don't think she's gonna kill Ruth. We, you know, we can't handle Ruth being killed in any capacity um, if the show wants to keep moving." But I felt like immediately, like, "Oh, Wyatt is so in over his head." And I said this so many times to myself during like every episode. I was just like, "Ugh." The episode three is entitled. Um city on the make and that is named after um uh it's uh the writer is nelson algren's uh seminal book about chicago and the lure and pullback of chicago was a big theme uh of this thing it kind of represented this you know uh uh, it was the out it was it was it was really represented going back to their regular life shaking off this this world that's just become um hell to their family in so many ways and you know, I thought it was really interesting. Um, you know, they, they really did wind in a whole lot of, uh, uh, you know, they, with bringing in um, Alfonso Herrera as Javi, um, yeah, bringing in, you know, that the whole Shaw deal and then the prescription um, drugs. And, and yeah, I, I, I was thinking about that moment in episode three when Javi meets uh, meets the um, the woman who's running that, 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 you know, she's buying the heroin for her, her prescription drug family. And he says to her, he's like, you're the first gringo I've met whose family killed more than mine. And just the web they were, they were crafting, um, that really came to life in this episode so much. I mean, with, with Javi, what did you think of, uh, Javi coming into as, as, you know, he's increasingly becoming the main villain of the show. I thought, thought the acting was incredible and 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 just it's another ruthless uh addition to this 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 deep dark world well i think the actor 
seems too likable. <laughs> oh yeah, he's charming. Yeah, it's like uh, a little too charming. I um, he he doesn't seem like, and maybe this is supposed to be like that, but um, mm-hmm. you know, he he doesn't seem too smart. You know, you see, I I expected him yeah. to go down pretty quickly, and I'm I'm kind of surprised he's still standing. Mm-hmm. I felt like someone was gonna take him out. Omar did describe him as um, he 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 doesn't he doesn't find him uh, 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 that smart at all. Yeah, it's it's definitely. And I mean, he you know he's kind of a fly by the seat of his pants, passionate. You know, he's he's a, he's a loose cannon in many ways. He's creepy though. There was a there was a moment at dinner. This was a cool scene in that episode where they were um, having dinner. The the three of them, uh, Charlotte. And um and and he was flirting with Charlotte, and, and and that's during they were they were doing it during the raid scene. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that was you know he's teaching how to shoot oysters. I was my skin was absolutely crawling. So you know as as maybe his lack of cunning. I think one thing that's effective is just just his uh you know his unpredictability and just just his crassness. I mean he really he he's, he really doesn't give a fuck. I, I, I don't want to go any further without mentioning something uh, just because we'll be able to bring it up as we move forward is that I love uh, the music choices throughout this show are just incredible. I mean, you mentioned Killer Mike, all right? I'm glad you did. I did not hear that. That was a really cool um, uh, a tidbit to hear. But I mean, this episode ended with uh, Killer Mike's um, off his off his own album of uh, rap music. It's a song Untitled. Um and just throughout the whole thing, I mean, even the Sam Cooke song that 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 was in the cold open, um, the next uh, uh, I can go on and on. The next uh, episode ended with like a really not a big big fan, but um, uh, a pretty good Twenty One Savage song. Um, episode six ended with a Jim James song. The music choices are spectacular throughout this. Yeah, episode one where they're by the pool, they were playing Tribe and yeah. Us. Oh yeah, they're playing <laughs> yeah. Can I Kick It? It was perfect. I mean, like that's that's what Ruth's always listening to, and it's 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 always awesome when you when you get a Ruth song. Yeah, absolutely. Tribe's having a nice moment in, in Prestige TV. It had that great great moment in uh, Station Eleven as well. Uh, episode four is called Ace Deuce. Um, this is you know it, it, the private investigator. I, I'm surprised he hasn't even come up yet. He's 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 uh he's hunting down. Um, you know he's trying to get to the bottom of this and this is when i thought this was a really cool cool thing that happened he hunts down wendy's father who's played by richard thomas who's so so great and so i thought that was interesting to to speak of because what happens who wendy is is defined a lot by her father and their, their their lack of having the good relationship and you know that's explored a little bit more as they move forward, and you know they they see that fake Ben's body together and whatnot. But I thought that bringing Richard Thompson in Thomas in as the father was really, really interesting. Um, that happened in episode four. The the investigator is kind of a cool character. He, he had a good cold opening moving moving forward, but um, um, yeah, I don't know, Marty. Marty and uh, Ruth's relationship's a big deal for me, and I know they. It's always compelling. It's I think it's kind of the heart and soul of the show, if you ask me. And you know, he was he had a conversation with her about working with her in this, but there was a lot going on in this. And I mean, you know, even uh, 
I love the uh, Eric Lading being the chef, the celebrity chef. And I know I'm going through a lot of things, but I mean, in this meet, where I guess episode four is kind of the meat of, of, of the season where, where things are really tumbling, there's a lot going on in, in, in a really, really cool way. But um, Episodes three, four, and five have kind of, they kind of got bundled up for me. Yeah, because totally. I kind of feel like it was a, it was a very strong opening. Very strong ending, mm-hmm. and then kind of the middle for me. Yep. I, maybe we should go back and re- watch them again, but like I feel like a, there was a lot of information that was just going by, and if you blink, if you miss it, <laughs> if you blink, you might miss it. Um, but um, he's there's there's got to be more scenes involved with Wendy's father. They wouldn't yep. just bring him back like that and then just kind of uh, have one foot in and one foot out. I feel like there's going to be another a bigger. Um, confrontation between her and Wendy. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm I'm still kind of uh, wondering about what exactly was established by bringing him in at that point, which they did. Um, what do you have any further thoughts on that? Yeah, I mean, you know, it's Wendy's got this big, intense devotion to family, and we and 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 the way she handles it is also. A, a, very questionable. I mean, the the tough love that this you know uh, uh, direction she's chose with Jonah, um, you know, it, it's it's pretty crazy. I mean, she was actually okay with him getting arrested multiple times this year because she thought it would you know he'd get off with a slap to the wrist. But I actually think it does harken back to her father. I mean, she ran away from home to get away from him. That's like that is the backstory there. He was he was too strict. He was too religious. But you know, I, I think losing that. You have to you have to think that you know that wasn't easy as much as she wanted to get away for for you know reasons of, of their differences. I mean, that leaves you without family, and that also makes you want to protect your family more. And you know, and, and sometimes when you're trying to protect your family at all costs, you're you're, you're making questionable decisions. And I don't know. I, I'm curious what you think about the way she was trying to handle Jonah as they moved through because it was it, it's. It, it felt sad. It felt desperate. And, and I know she was trying to do what she thought was the right thing. But, I mean, it was pretty messed up the way she was kind of willing to hang about to dry because she thought it was the best thing for the family. Well, do you remember what happens at the at the beginning of the second episode? Or, or was it the third episode of the first season? You know? Like, do, yeah. And like, and, like, Breaking Bad took a few seasons to drop it on the family. And then, obviously, they never dropped it on a Walter Jr. And she just stops and just drops the whole thing. And then yeah. we, we carry on to the next scene. You know, like, like, it, like it was just like, oh, she told him, you know. And, and yep. yeah, the, the whole show, part of, the, part of the show, obviously, is watching them evolve with that information. And, and so it, yeah. it, it's... You, so you don't really know. That's why I want to see more scenes because it's just like all I'm really seeing from those scenes is Wendy just being stubborn. You know, like she she yeah. talks to him for a second and then all of a sudden like her ego is just like, nope, got to get out of here. Bye. And and, yeah. and, she, and it looks like he's used to it, you know, because he just sits mm-hmm. there sipping coffee and like, bye, Wendy, you know? Yeah. Well, I mean, Wendy's kind of, Wendy is definitely tumbling into some uncharted waters and and in this in this in this realm of, of of running an empire i mean you know as we do move into episode five which is called ellie um likely explanation is the reason i thought that was really good that had to do with the um with the investigator mel but um uh we could talk about more specifics of it but i just since we're talking about wendy i mean that episode ended 
with her waiting just like patiently as as Darlene had that had that heart attack and she's like slow she makes the call which I was unsure if she would to be honest and but she waited a little bit and it just felt you know it's it's every time I don't know she surprises me with how the 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 level she'll go and you know it that I thought this was a great setup but I you know we'll, we can just kind of separate the episodes and just kind of talk about the show generally because as when they move into episode six that setup at the driveway led to one of the harshest moments i thought of the season when she goes to the hospital and visits visits um darlene and tells her we took your we took your land to build our casino we sold your heroin to our partner we can take everything else you have and um are you prepared for that in your condition and I don't know. She just shocks me in just her her cruelness sometimes, her ability to be cruel, her ability to be cold and calculating and and really strong. She's a she's a badass. It's unbelievable. You said uh, in the in the last episode you were giving the quote about um, never let a good crisis go to waste in politics. Yeah. Well, yeah. let's just talk about like just the. <laughs> Like, she's taken to her brother, and, and like that moment, is it in episode six where she looks at Marty and is and literally like what? Where she's like, like it wasn't him, by the way. Like we know that, you know, and he knows yeah. that, and it's like, are you nuts? Have are you completely lost it? And it's like, no, she she's so in character. Can we can we talk about Laura Linney again? Because a lot of people do it. A lot of people. Like, well, not a lot, maybe a lot of people. I, I sound like Trump. Many people are saying, like, so I think, <laughs> like, like Laura, Laura Linney gets uh, criticism, I feel, unfairly, because a lot of people say that she overacts. And I think maybe that's oh, because of, maybe that's because oh, of no. the Truman Show, you know, because that was her mm. that was her role in the Truman Show to overact. But I think that Laura Linney, if you take all of the characters she's ever played, like they're all very passionate very well spoken and just like they they do their thing and and um and i think that's throwing people off even maybe even laura lenny herself because it's like when she took when she's doing interviews and she's like she can't really defend wendy bird anymore Mm. (laughs) no no and 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 you can't i mean you can't just like there was a point where you couldn't root for almost any anti-hero during a show when when you do you're actually rooting for the wrong thing i mean rooting for her is tough but I, i'll tell you this lp there's a lot of people uh out there who can't really handle a strong strong woman out there and you know you saw what how people reacted to skylar and and her i mean i just it's stunning I, her acting is absolutely stunning if you ask me and it just she's it's she's playing Playing the character that that's written for her in in a really bold and 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 courageous and just again badass way. It's incredible. I think the Breaking Bad comparison though is it's it's warped here because it's like she's the Heisenberg and Skyler yes, definitely Skyler had her Heisenberg moments, but like when yep. is the Heisenberg here? You know. You know what? Um. You know what I was really enjoying, and I just you know it's just 
you know, when I went on my little rant there talking about all the things going on in episode three, there's they gave you so much to chew on this season. And one thing I was really, really getting getting into was in episode five when they when when election rigging came into play. Like I really, really didn't see that, you know, and because I mean it was actually messing with um, Wendy, who's like a staunch liberal. I mean, she worked for Obama, and now she's working with a senator. Um, who is has these machines that can mess with and, and, and decide elections like that, that kind of came out of left field but I, I really enjoyed that that you know little nod to, to present times it was kind of cool yeah definitely episode seven the uh, uh, it was the long goodbye um, you know what in this 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 can kind of speak to what we were saying about Wendy and being you know uh, you know the Heisenberg and kind of like the the you know uh, the the boss here. They when they had the opening with Marty and they was you know t- the flashback to um, him looking for the office and then just kind of thinking you know it just made me think about his present life so much and and the way Bateman plays Marty and it, you know it really it just I could not stop thinking about how joyless a life he's been living i mean he's running like a lucrative empire and he's never able to really enjoy it like enjoy the spoils that that come with usually being you know a kingpin like this usually get to enjoy it i mean he's always just running around putting out fires just just like trying to keep the boat afloat and he's just so subdued and there's just such a lack of joy the the family he thinks he's doing it for really you know what you know it's really not obviously it's 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 not a happy family situation and that really cut me pretty hard thinking about how you know uh, the uh, just just how miserable he he is living this life and it's really it's 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 kind of hard to watch and I think I I think that means I'm still really rooting for Marty to kind of get through this and, and find some happiness I guess I don't know but what did that make you think when they did set it up looking back when he was trying to like get the office with the, with the guy who actually started the whole thing his name was Bruce Bruce was the reason they're in this whole thing yeah. but uh what do you think of that uh that beginning to that end of, of the season um well I think there's a little Easter egg actually in the in those scenes because oh. did you catch like did you catch the very last where like um okay like the the, the conversation in 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 the first episode 101. In the very beginning, yeah. he's they're talking about getting a new office, and um, yep. and they're they're flashing back and they're they're flashing back to that particular part of the conversation. Um, near the end of the episode, uh, before before everything happens, um, the climax, there's a scene and it's taking place in present time. I'm, I believe, I'm, I'm pretty sure. I think so too. I'm pretty sure it was a present time where he's walking outside and he's on the phone. And he's talking about like, yeah, we've got that office space. Like, cool. And it looks like it's it's the same conversation from episode yep. from one hundred and one. So mm-hmm. that's the Easter egg I'm talking about. Is he's yeah. got, he's got a new office now? Like, what's what's going on? Yeah, they're getting ready to jump into something. No, it else. De- definitely. It was. I think it was another link to, to present day. They were doing like some parallelism um, of of. You know him thinking about that moment, getting the office, and maybe moving forward to an office, right? Yeah. Or, or well, I just I got to thinking about it though, and I assume that maybe he that's in Chicago. He's going back to Chicago, yeah. and maybe they're trying to save some space over there or something. That's that's the goal. That's absolutely the goal. There was um, 
There was that moment, I kind of alluded to it earlier, though, where um, in this episode, and just to, to, to keep bringing it back to, like, just, you know, uh, Wendy being who she is at this point in the series, when Wendy, um, when Omar talks to her about, um, you know, how he would never do anything to their children, and, you know, because they hid their children away, when Wendy made a threat, to his a pretty veiled threat, but it was a threat to Omar's children. What would happen to them if they, if he didn't kind of comply with what they were doing? Think about that. A drug lord, you know, who won't go to the lengths that Wendy will, and that was really driven home in that last episode and their last interactions. And I think that just really speaks to where she is, and you know, and 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 what she's what she's willing to do. So the whole uh, thing become really comes home. With Ruth freaking out for all the right reasons. I can't get over what she's been through. I mean, it's it's Jesse-level punishment. I mean, now she lo- loses Wyatt. I mean, and it all comes home in this major way with that scream within the bird's house when she just like if you if you want to stop me you have to you have to you're gonna have to kill me. And she screams it, and I mean, I there was chills. I had chills all over my body. Like, that was like, that was, I mean, she won, in my mind, she won her third Emmy right there. That was incredible. Her final moments. I mean, I got to tell you, though, uh, I'm going to miss Darlene and her shotgun. I'm going to miss Wyatt. That was, that was a big, 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 cruel moment. And she was such a unique, I haven't, I haven't seen um, a, a villain, if you want to call her that. Uh, in any shows, she was she was a really unique beast. Her and uh, Wyatt's relationship was um, was wild, and yeah, she was another one. She was such a loose cannon. Anyone who walked into her realm, it might be the last time they were breathing. She was she was something else. Oh, dude, can I can I talk about her? All right, so my 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 impression of Darlene, like just as as the show went on, like um, before this season, she was she is my favorite character. Because she because she seems like the or she seemed like the wild card, you know, and I was just like that. I think that that's always like the interesting villain, you know, but yeah, this is a show filled with villains. So you can't really call her the villain. You can call her the antagonist in, in, in some situations. But you know what I realized after this season? It's not that she's the wild card. She's the everyman, really. You know, Ooh. yeah, I think that's a great point. That's a great point. Um, yeah, she. I mean, think of it. I mean, she was the homegrown person getting it done. Uh, that's a cool point. Yeah, exactly. Homegrown. Yeah, yeah. She she's my favorite character, and and this is a Lisa Emery is a sixty nine seventy year old actress, and she's. I know. She's God. been like if you look at her IMDb, it's it's jaw dropping the stuff that you have seen her in and you didn't see her uh-huh. in. You know, like she's she she's um she's been in hundreds of things. You know, and she's just been like yeah. just on, on the outskirts. You know, just like really like a starving artist for the past 30, 40 years. Mm-hmm. And it's like she's she knows she's lucky to have this role. And you know, I mean. She didn't get a goodbye, really. 
And that, that should scare people. No. That should scare people with this show, you know? It's like not even your favorite character, mine, mm-hmm. can get that goodbye that you want. And it's like you if it was one of those moments where you if you blinked, you might have missed her getting killed. Like it was that quick, you know. <laughs> that, I think that's a I think that's a point being made. I mean, there's nothing ceremonious about your end here, and like again, it really feels like there's just no way out. Everybody, but maybe Javi, are want out, and that's just not how it works. I mean, this is they they steered the whole thing towards Omar trying to find a way out. We got, um, um, you know, Ruth trying to get Wyatt in the car to take off and just end, you know, get out. It's all about getting out, and it's not how this works is not not you know this is this is the all all in the game it's how it's how things go down i just want to give a shout out um just because again there was so much to chew on this season and i thought the political fixer jim was a, another nice piece who had maybe my favorite line of the season when he's uh he's like yeah you got a you got a little bullshit in your teeth right there <laughs> like, yeah i thought that was, he was he was a nice component i love i love a good fixer i love a michael clayton around and he was just he was he was another nice piece to kind of connect things and there's I, I don't know it was actually really impressive when you think of it all all the pieces how they fit into each other i mean we're talking about fbi we're talking about you know, little casino empire and, you know, Mexican drug lords and everything, even down to a homegrown heroin dealer or, you know, and then Ruth, whatever we want to describe her as. And they connect in, in a way that's that's that does kind of feel seamless and, and organic and just because it's so well written. It's 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 a wild web that they put together and, and, and just they kept building on top of it this season. And I think they did a great job. I think it was a really, really good start to the final season. You know, I hate doing this. I hate prescribing what you want to see. You know, I want the writers to tell us the story. I want them. They they obviously know what they're doing. But what would you like to see happen or what do you feel will happen? What do you have any thoughts on on, on where where this is going after this after this seven episode arc? Um, well, let's talk about Marty. You brought him up earlier. Please. Um there's there's I think there's some existential dread. In the in the scenes that 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 you saw him in, and um, maybe he's hitting bottom. Maybe uh, he 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 doesn't look too good though. I feel like he's. I feel like he might do something um, pretty bold and daring, and and really just kind of be just just get either get really selfless or crazy selfless. Um, and yeah, maybe uh, if. If people are getting what they deserve, I mean, it was already uh, Ruth tried to kill him in the in the sixth episode, so that's kind of a Chekhov's gun that's always there. True. Um, I, I don't know if she's going to kill him now, though. But mm-hmm. I mean, it's it's Ozark, so anything can happen. Um, Wendy, I mean, we don't like her, but uh, I mean, does she even have a chance at salvation at this point? I don't think so. I I, I don't I don't I I don't see that at all. I mean. That's, I mean, that's my thoughts about it. I mean, I think Marty and um, and Wendy. I mean, I just, I can't see them getting. I don't think it, it, it makes sense for them getting out. I'd love to see a victory for Ruth. 
um, her, you know, kind of like Jesse escaping down down the road. I mean, just you you root for you root for someone punished that much to do find a way out of this out of this hellscape, and she's been punished, I think, more than anyone in the show. Um, I root for the kids. I can't help it. I mean, you know, I'm not a monster. I'm rooting for the children to get through this. They didn't. They didn't make these decisions that led them there. That's definitely for sure. But I do love. Uh, I mentioned earlier, but I do love Marty and Ruth's relationship. There was a point even towards the end when he came to see her one last time and and he I forget exactly what he was asking her for and she's like, Of course I'll fucking do it or something. And it just like they their connection has always meant something and so I think their tie, uh, you know, their bond is going to be explored more and you know, even, even if it does snap in a certain way. But I, I see that that happening. But yeah, I guess I'm, I'm here once again rooting for Ruth and 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 seeing what seeing where that goes. What did we miss, LP? Anything anything you want to give a nod to before we sign off here? I think we did a pretty good job touching on it as much as we could. There's a lot to chew on, like I said. Let's okay. Let, let's talk about. Can we talk about Zeke for a second? Because I think that's another Easter egg. Like, where is Zeke? Okay, like yeah. Zeke. Zeke is crying in that scene, and then and then uh, Ruth leaves. And then did, I don't know if Ruth has them, but as soon as she storms into the bird's house, you can if you go back and listen to it, you can hear the sound of a of a of a baby or a toddler. And so, it, did did she have Zeke in tow? Like, I, it's it's messing with my head. I don't know how if it has anything to do with the plot, or but I mean, why would why am I wondering about it? Well, I don't know. They they did a great job of using Zeke. Um, Adds something that that would mess with your head. I mean, when they were murdered, one of the things you thought of, yes, two two main characters that that you've been following were murdered, but also there's a baby left in the house. So you had the screams echoing through the through the home, and then when she arrives again, the screams announce that something was wrong. And you know, it's it's always been perilous that you have this little fragile being that is a baby in in that world. I mean, Darlene took them everywhere, and like. It is. It's 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 been a weird tool that they've used to to shake us up a little bit. And you know how you were talking in the uh, the uh, the the last um, the Ozark uh, season three podcast. Um, you you and Chris brought up uh, the the blues and the greens and how the show looks and it's just the yeah and how it's it's tension inducing. Well, I I don't take it a step forward and think that the it, the whole show just might be a dream and they're in purgatory. Wow. And and, wow. and it, no, I like that. And if, it, it, but like, I mean, it's a, it's a comical theory. But think about what um, Mason said uh, before, not right before they killed him, but um, a few episodes before it, he was talking with Marty, and he's like, you know, I'm sure that you're the devil himself. Absolutely, I've said, you know, you said it a minute ago, and it just it's ringing through my head. And you know, I was talking about it at the beginning of episode seven. Marty's existential dread's really going to come into play. And, you know, I want to say he has nothing to lose because he just feels so broken, but he still does. He still loves the kids. He's still, you know, he's he's still trying. It's weird that I'm still rooting for him. And I, I always feel weird when I, I, I you know, I felt I, I stayed with a couple of these antiheroes we brought up a little too long. And I'm, I, I know I'm still with Marty here and it, but like he, it, he is, I mean, it's, he's not the good guy here, you know, uh, there's, it's definitely not the good I'm guy. I'm going to make a prediction about Marty. Um, I, okay. Uh, Giordano Spiro or Spiro, however you say her name. Um, she's the actress that plays, um, Rachel. And yeah. She's coming back. 
she's going to be in the last half, you know, uh-huh. and they were talking about um, in, the, in the cold opening, like finding money at the Blue Cat. So that establishes them at the Blue Cat. So I'm thinking, oh, and I think maybe Rachel and Marty should hook up for real this time and squash some of that existential dread. I'm going to hold you to that prediction when we have you back to talk about uh, part two. But, uh, yo, LP, thank you so much for coming on. It's been, like I said, it's been a long time coming. And, you know, your passion for the show kind of got me into it initially. As I said, I I was waiting in with a little bit cold feet, and it's been a joy. It's been a joy, and you, you, you had that happen. So thank you for coming on and talking about it. Oh, yeah, man. Cool. We'll see you uh, for part two. And uh, like I said, I was I was talking about the music of the show, and I'm gonna play you out with some uh, some Commodores. Some, they just had such great music choices. And here's another one. Thank you all for once again joining the party. podcast is in the loop the legion of osiris podcasts osiris is creating a community that connects people like you with live experiences and podcasts about artists and topics you love get in the loop at osirispod.com